Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2 in our Come Follow Me curriculum. And the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Christ, is only in Matthew and only in Luke. And only in Matthew do we read about the wise men and the star. And only in Luke do we read about the shepherds and the announcement of the angel. Apparently, the, the Luke account doesn't mention the star at all. The other place we have a mention of the star, a new star appearing is in the Book of Mormon that Samuel the Lamanite seems to know about it in the latter part of the Book of Helaman. But let's look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 2 and get this insight about the wise men. So the first few verses say this. This is, I'll just start in verse 1. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The JST changes king of the Jews to Messiah of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. There's so much to unpack there. How did they know what the star was? We have seen his star in the east. How do you know it was his star? What star are you talking about? Was this some sort of prophecy that they knew about? Verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Interestingly, Herod didn't say, yeah, we saw that star too and wonder what that was. And they didn't even mention that they had seen anything. But the wise men saw it and said, we've seen his star in the east, somehow identifying the star with the birth of a Messiah of the Jews. There's one kind of obscure verse in the book of Numbers, Numbers 24, 17, that speaks of a star out of Jacob. And other than that, we don't know what prophecy the wise men knew about or how they knew this star was an indicator of the birth of Christ. Anyway, so what does Herod do? Verse 4, he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. That's from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And inter this, this I find interesting too. These guys knew their scriptures. These scribes and chief priests knew. Here, here was Jesus in their midst, and they had no idea, but they knew their scriptures. Is it possible to be really good at scripture knowledge and be completely unaware of God in your midst? <laughs> That's exactly what was happening here. These were the scriptorians. So Herod, verse 7, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them what time the star appeared. Clearly, he didn't see a star. What time? What star are you talking about? And why is he asking what time? I think he wants to know how old would this child be? Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When ye have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him also. Clearly, that was not Herod's intent. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The Luke account appears of great joy at the birth of Christ, so does the Matthew account. But what's interesting to me is, I guess the star was gone for a while, 
And when Herod sent them away, it reappeared again. In 2004, Sister Chieko Okazaki, who was the first counselor in the General Relief Society presidency from 1990 to 1997, wrote a book called Stars, and I loved her observations about the wise men. This is what she said. We think of the star of Bethlehem, the star that the wise men followed so patiently and so hopefully and so faithfully as a phenomenon in the heavens, and so it was. But I tell you that the star in the heavens was not the only star or, or the most important star. The star within the heart of the wise men was the most important star. After all, if the star was in the sky for all to see, then hundreds of thousands of people would have seen it, and thousands of people could have wondered at its meaning, and hundreds could have followed it to the little town of Bethlehem. But as far as we know, only the wise men saw it with the eye of faith. Only they followed it with hope and patience. Only they kneeled before the young child Jesus. They had a star within that enabled them to see the star without. We don't know what happened to the star. The last mention is that it stood over the place where they found Jesus. Still quoting Sister Okazaki, It led them across distances we cannot imagine. It seems to have deserted them momentarily, so that they had to go to King Herod's court to seek direction. Or, perhaps they felt that they had surely reached their destination and confidently went to the place where they expected to find a newborn king. But they were looking in the wrong place. The king's wise men had the books and the records. They read the scripture, saying the child would be born in Bethlehem, but they were no good as guides. None of them had gone to Bethlehem. None of them had gone to Bethlehem looking for the baby. They all stayed safely in their comfort zones with their books and charts and knowledge. The wise men had faith in their words, more faith than Herod's chief priests and scribes. They set out for, for Bethlehem. And lastly, I like what Sister Ogazaki said here. We will not find the child unless we are willing to journey to a place that may be a strange and foreign name on our mental map. Just some great ways to apply this story of the wise men from Sister Okazaki, I thought. I don't know the answer to that. Sister ok Okazaki's school of thought there is that I think only the wise men could see it. And boy, the closer I read it, the more I think, yeah, how come Herod and his guys didn't say, yeah, we saw that too, and we know what it means. They knew the scriptures. They knew Bethlehem was the place where the Messiah would be born, but they weren't out looking for him. So, so some fascinating insights. And when I think of the wise men, that word wise reminds me of a verse in the Doctrine and Covenants. And I think it perfectly applies to this story. Section 45, verse 57. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. That verse is actually talking about the second coming. But the wise men didn't take the scribes and Pharisees for their guide. They, they got the information from the scriptures from them, but then the star reappeared and it took them to, the, to Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? So after this, we read further. In verse 16, Herod, when he saw he was mocked of the wise men because they didn't return, was exceeding wroth, 
and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, meaning the borders, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So, how long, when did they see the star? Yeah, we don't know. We see nativity scenes that always portray the wise men there, but it sounds like it was sometime later when they actually arrived, and added to that is King Herod slaying the children two years old and younger. So, pretty horrifying stuff that Herod did. I did have a comment from a book by Sister Susan Easton Black called 400 Questions and Answers about the New Testament. And in that book, she answers this question, how many infants in the area of Bethlehem were slaughtered by Herod's soldiers? The number of babies slaughtered in Bethlehem may have been small, perhaps fewer than 20. Although the number may have been small, the magnitude of Herod's atrocity is not lessened. The slaughtered infants are remembered as the proto-martyrs, the first witnesses of Christ. So, sadly, in such a great birth, there is also great opposition. He had Jesus being born into a world of opposition in all things, and there are still Herods out there today trying to destroy our children, aren't there? So, in the latter part of the book of Matthew, we have the Lord appearing in a dream to Joseph, which, which he had done before. Joseph was revelatory, able to get revelations, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go into the land of Israel. They are dead which sought the young child's life. So, Joseph had taken the baby to Egypt and now was told, Herod's dead, you can come back. And that gives us some insight into Joseph. I did want to mention just my favorite quotation about Joseph from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. He said in a talk called This Do in Remembrance of Me in October 1995 General Conference, Elder Holland said, We could remember Jesus' magnificent but virtually unknown foster father, a humble carpenter by trade who taught us, among other things, that quiet, plain, unpretentious people have moved this majestic work forward from the very beginning and still do so today. If you are serving almost anonymously, please know that so too did one of the best men who has ever lived on this earth. So that's nice to hear about Joseph that we know so little about. We don't even have any of his recorded words in our scriptures. But he clearly was a good man, did not want Mary to be embarrassed by making her a public example. And then, why don't we go to Luke 2 now, look at a couple of things there. We all know this Luke story very well. It's the one that we hear quoted most often at, at Christmas time. I did want to talk a little bit about the shepherds. Verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It seems that angels often begin with fear not. And good tidings of great joy. Sometimes angels come to warn, to scold, hear with great news. Good tidings or glad tidings in other places is a synonym for gospel, isn't it? The gospel is good news, good tidings of great joy. Even though critics of our 
church, our religion, critics of Christianity speak of, oh, you have a bunch of these rules. How is the gospel described in the scriptures itself? It's always described as such a joyful message because of our Redeemer. I wanted to go back to Sister Okazaki's book about what she said about the shepherds, just some thoughts I'd never had before. She said, I wondered what happened to the shepherds for the next 30 years while Jesus was growing up. These shepherds could have been fathers, brothers, older brothers of the babies who were later slain by Herod's soldiers. Did they have trouble reconciling the message of the angel with the death that visited their homes two years later? Were any of them still alive in 30 years when Jesus began his ministry? Did they recognize the Prince of Peace that the tiny that tiny baby they had worshipped? We just don't know the answer to those questions. Yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating thought. Could the shepherds have known? There is another school of thought that those shepherds were, and I think this is from the Mishnah, were actually guarding the flock of sheep that were destined for temple sacrifice. So they would have to watch them carefully because they needed to identify which were firstborn and then keep them from getting blemishes so that they could be firstborn and unblemished if these, if these were indeed those who were watching the, the sheep destined for temple sacrifice. They would have to be very vigilant, which is perhaps why they were abiding. To, to abide means to stay and to remain and to endure patiently. They were abiding in their fields. The verse, make, the verse makes perfect sense without the word abiding, but I love what Sister Okazaki said about abiding. She said, I hope we can feel the strength of abiding in our fields, keeping watch over our flocks. Let's be where we are supposed to be so that angels can find us. It's a great way to apply the Christmas story, is let's be where we're supposed to be, let's abide where the shepherds were abiding, so that one day we may abide the day of the Savior's return, which is the way Malachi. There's a beautiful video, and at the time you're listening to this is probably January, So, but there's a beautiful video. If you'll just Google, it's on YouTube. Kevin Sorbo, S-O-R-B-O, Kevin Sorbo, Silent Night. It's Tabernacle Choir in the background. It's kind of a modern music video of Silent Night, and that's really fun, really touching. Well, I hope this has been helpful as we look at the Matthew account and the Luke account of the good tidings of great joy. I love that there were shepherds and kings involved in the story, and it kind of gives us a sense of he came for the lowliest and for the highest among us socially. Everyone from kings to shepherds was going to benefit from the birth of the Savior who paved the way for all of us to be resurrected and even to be restored to his Father's presence as he's going to teach later on in his ministry. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time.